At Gospel Community Church, our mission is to know the Bible, share life with others, and bring hope to our city and the world. You're listening to the Gospel Community Church Sermons Podcast, where we go through books of the Bible, verse by verse and line by line, to hear the truth that God's Word has to encourage, discipline, and bless us in our daily lives. Thanks for listening. Feel free to share the contents of this podcast, but please do not alter it in any way without permission. Please like, follow, and subscribe to us on Facebook or iTunes. Visit gospelcc.com for more content like this. At Gospel Community Church, our mission is to know the Bible, share life with others, and bring hope to our city and the world. Thanks again, and have a blessed day. Good morning. In January uh, of 2011, uh, a young youth pastor in Henry County, Georgia, who had uh, faux hawk hair and skinny jeans. I don't know who I'm talking about. Me. Uh, got a call placed on his life to, to plant a church. Um, as you can tell, I no longer have the faux hawk or the skinny jeans. Uh, but my wife and I, uh, in February, then accepted that call uh, to plant a church. And so we began to meet in a golf and country club, which is also humorous to me because I've never played a game of golf in my life, but there we were. The, the space was uh, offered to us uh, to meet in this golf and country club, and so we, we got on Facebook and, and just invited all of our friends to come and pray for us uh, as, as we met and gathered together to embark on a journey to plant a church, and we bribed people with free food, uh, and so people came. Uh, and we fed um, everyone, and, and I just would like rant for an hour about uh, the church that we wanted to plant, the type of church that we wanted to be, and, and people came, and, and we did that all throughout uh, that summer, and then in August, we came here. We, we found this space, and it became available, and so we, we landed here in this space, and we began to meet uh, on, on weeknights and, and kind of began to build our, our core team, and, and as time went on, families uh, began to gather here, and we, and we began to talk about what it meant to, to be a church and, and to be a blessing to our city. And so people actually moved from Henry County into Fayetteville to be a part of our church plan. And once it was all said and done, we had moved 11 families from Henry County into Fayetteville, and, uh, which was actually very terrifying for me because at, at, at the start of it, it was just Chelsea and I, just my wife and I coming, oh, and our dog Ringo, uh, you know, coming to plant uh, a church. And then when, when families actually sold their homes or broke their leases at their apartments and things like that and came here, uh, it, it kind of got serious. But it was also a great encouragement to know that God was moving, God was doing something. And so um, in January of 2012, we officially launched the church right here in this room. We then began to train deacons, and we added deacons, and we added um, an elder, another elder to our staff. We launched community groups. Um, We began to build a counseling team and and try to help uh, the people in our church that were hurting. Um, So much God has done every single year since we planted the church, people have been saved and baptized uh, here in this church by God's grace. There have been so much that, that God has done. And so as a church, we find ourselves at the very end of year six. Can you believe it? 
year six. Who is in the core team that launched the church? Six years. As we move into January, we'll be going into uh, year seven. And so every year uh, around this time, essentially we stop and take stock of where we've been, where we are now, and, uh, and where we're going to go. And so this is Vision Sunday. Welcome to, to Vision Sunday. Now, uh, when we say vision, we're, we're not talking about a dream or a trance or some type of supernatural apparition. What we're, what we're talking about, if you're taking notes, when we say vision, we mean a picture of the future. Okay, that's, that's what we're talking about this morning, a picture of the future. We're describing to you what type of people we're going to be. We're, we're telling you where we are headed. We're talking about our future this morning, and so uh, specifically, we're, we're speaking to our members, the, the members of Gospel Community Church. We're talking about where we're headed as a church. Now, if you're not a member, you're welcome to essentially listen in on this family conversation, but that's what we're doing this morning. We're, we're talking about a picture of the future. And so if we're talking about a picture of the future, there should be a natural question that we begin with. Okay, where are we going in the future? What is the future of Gospel Community Church? Well, we should begin with this. Does Gospel Community Church have a future? That's naturally where we should begin, correct? Yeah. I, I, the reason that this question is so important, the reason that we're starting with this question is because I want you to know this. Churches have life cycles. Yeah. Churches are born and then churches die. Churches have life cycles. And, and the sad reality is there are many, many churches in the South that need to die so that people and resources are released. And so the question then becomes, does Gospel Community Church have a future? You guys look scared. <laughs> Here's how you answer that question. How you answer that question is, is God at work in that church? See, a lot of churches don't close down because of pride, because of comfortability. And the question they should be asking is, is God at work in the midst of us? Is God moving? Is God doing something? I, listen, I hope we have the courage at, at some point, at one, if the time comes, to look at it and say, look, God's not at work here. Let's go somewhere where God's at work. I don't want to be somewhere or do something where God's not in it. Amen? And so is God at work in Gospel Community Church? We can know that God is, in work, is at work because marriages that were headed for divorce have stayed together. We can know that God is at work because people with serious addictions are getting help. We can know that God is at work because people who have been sexually abused are finding healing. We can know that God is at work because there is a sense of transparency in our depravity. Do you know that this, this is so strange about this church? You know what's weird about this church? Is that people are honest about where they are and who they are. There, there is this sense of when I come here, I don't have to put on a show. I can, I can let people know this is where I am. This is what I'm struggling with. And then this is a church body that then just wraps their arms around that person and says, hey, I love you. And, and I want to walk with you on a pathway to, to, to get healthy. That, that's, I want you to know, church family, that's crazy. That's crazy that, that there are people in this church that are broken and honest about it. 
Now, listen, I think every church is filled with broken people. But what's weird about this church is that we're honest about it. So, so I believe that, that God is at work. We can know that God is at work because people are giving generously. You guys give like crazy. We have been able to fund church plants around the world in South America, in Scotland, in the Southeast. We've been able to give thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars to families in need. That, that's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy to think about how, how incredibly generous this church is. We can know God is at work because there is a deep sense of community here at this church. You know, every, every time when we go through the new members class, right, we go through the new members class and the elders will sit down with the people who want to be members at this church and we ask them, why do you want to be a member here at this church? And one of the things that people always, always say, they say this, this place feels like home. Or they'll say, this place feels like a family. How is that possible? How is that? It's because the Holy Spirit is knitting us together as a church family, as a church body. That's why. This is something that God is doing. We can know that God is at work because every year we've seen people saved and baptized and added new members. We can know that God is at work because he's doing all of this. Everything that I just said, he's doing all of that through us. Look, I'm a redneck from South Georgia, okay? Most of the time during this church plant thing, I've had no idea what I'm doing, and God is still working, amen? God is still working, and so let us push forward. Let us begin to take a look at if God is still at work and we're moving forward, then where are we going? What direction are we headed? Because as, as a church body, as a church family, what we need to do is essentially drop a pin in the map and, and so everybody is clear where we're going and what we're supposed to be doing. So, so we, we're saying goodbye to 2018. We're looking at the future of 2019 and asking God, what is it that you would have us do? What type of people do you want us to be and where do you want us to go? And so in order to answer that question in order to decide or, or figure out what is our future, we're going to look at the past. We're going to look at this text of, of what the church in the New Testament did and essentially say, who are we supposed to be as a church? What are we supposed to do? Well, let's look at what they did and just do that. That makes sense, right? Yeah. Acts chapter 2, verse 42, if you would get out your smartphones and turn to Acts 2 or open up your Bibles. It'll also come up on the screen. Here is Acts chapter 2, verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. What's happened is... Jesus, um, the God-man, has shown up. Uh, he has lived a perfect life. He has died the death that we all should die in our place for our sins. He has then risen from the dead. He appeared to his disciples for several days. He led them in Bible studies. He ate fish by the beach with them. Uh, doubting, remember doubting Thomas? That whole thing has already happened. 
And so where we are in the story now is Jesus has said, go into all the nations and make disciples, baptizing them. And he ascended into heaven. And then the Holy Spirit comes in power. They're meeting and then all of a sudden, there is a mighty rushing wind. There, like this strange thing happens where there are flaming tongues of fire that rest over their head. You got, I mean, it's pretty good. You got to go back and read it. Then what happens is Peter steps out and he preaches a sermon. I'm talking about a sermon, right? This is a sermon where 3,000 people get saved in one sermon. The church was about 120 people at the time. Peter preaches, then it's 3,120 people. And so the response after the filling of the Holy Spirit, after this powerful proclamation of the Word of God, the church is formed, and then this is their response. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. That's the first thing that they did. They devoted themselves. They were hungry for the teaching. They wanted to learn and to know, and they were seeking to do it together. This was, this was built into the DNA of the New Testament church immediately, right off the bat. Peter preaches, 3,000 people get saved. The church is planted and launched, and they devote themselves to the teaching of the apostles. Now, do we have the teaching of the apostles? I mean, the apostles were there with them at the time teaching them, and so they were there learning it. Do we have the teaching of the apostles? We absolutely do. Because every book in the New Testament was either written by an apostle or is directly connected to an apostle. We have the teaching of the apostles. That, that's what they did. They had, listen, they had this hunger, this drive to know the Bible. That's, that's what they want. They wanted to know God's word. They, they were so divorced from our current cultural idea of this hyper-individualistic um, society, right? We, we have this hyper-individualistic society that says, you are your own master, you're your own boss. Who am I to tell you that anything that you do is wrong? Th that's not what they were doing. They were seeking to know the Bible. They were seeking to know the teaching of the apostles so that their hearts could be transformed by it and therefore their lives transformed. They were seeking to conform themselves to God's word and not conform themselves to their own idea of who they think that they should be. Are you all with me? They were, they were seeking to know the Bible. What else were they doing? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, the, this, this together, they wanted to be with God's people. They were God's people. They wanted to be with God's people. There was, this, there was no idea of, okay, I've met God. Okay, I, I have this thing. God and I have this thing. And so now I'm going to go be a lone ranger Christian on my own, doing my own thing. A absolutely not. They were devoted to one another, to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and prayers. Now, breaking of bread, what, what does that mean? Well, it means that they got together and they ate a meal. They, they were eating um, a meal together. And what this also means, this breaking of bread is, is a, it's a formalized idea in the sense that they were taking communion. As Jesus on uh, his last night said, do this in remembrance of me, and he took the bread and the juice and the whole thing. So they would, they would get together, they would seek after the teaching of the apostles, they would eat a meal together, and then they would formally have communion. 
This is what the New Testament church was doing. They were, they were not only seeking to know the Bible, they wanted to share their life with each other. There was, there was this one anothering that they, were, that they were seeking to do with each other. Look at verse 44. And all who believed were together. There's this idea of fellowship and togetherness again. Do you, do you see it? And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread. They're doing it again. Breaking bread in their homes. They received their food with glad and generous hearts. Again, look at verse 44. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. They were selling their possessions. Now, does this mean that the New Testament church essentially became a communist state? Are you, you're laughing, but there, I mean, there's, a, there's a lot of debate about this. Go, go read the commentaries. There's a lot of, a lot of debate about this. Well, I'm going to say no. Now, what, what I mean is, did they decide that no one in the church should have their own possessions and that we should view uh, property and things like that as, as belonging to the church? Well, I think the evidence in the text is going to say no. Why? Because they were uh, going from house to house eating meals, which means they owned houses. They, they were selling what possessions? Their possess they owned their own possessions. But What's important for us to see, and they were selling their possessions and belongings. Do you know how radical of an idea that is? I mean, how hard do you work for your stuff? You work pretty hard for it, right? What they were doing is all of their hard work Everything that they had got together, if someone in the church body had a need, they said, I don't, I'm willing to let that go. They were, they were laying down their own possessions, meaning they were sacrificing a part of what we would consider the American dream. They were laying down the American dream for the kingdom of God. That's radical. That they were so devoted to one another. They were sharing their life so deeply, first off, that they actually knew the needs of the people around them. Hello. I wonder if, if you actually know the needs of the people around you. I wonder if you've sat in a living room or sat across the dinner table or got with other people in this church and have known them and talked with them and spent enough time with them so that you can be honest about your needs. First off, they knew each other's needs. Second off, they had the courage and felt it was their own responsibility in response to what Christ had done that they were going to meet that need. Yeah. And so this is what the New Testament church was doing. They were, they were seeking to be devoted to the apostles' teaching, the fellowship being together. They were seeking to share life with one another. I mean, don't, don't, don't you see what, what Jesus has done it, in the garden? What, what happens? Well, they, they sin and then they hide, don't they? They, they separate themselves. There is a, a broken community 
between man and God. And so what Jesus does is he restores the community. He restores the life sharing between God and man. And so in response, then, what the church does is it reflects that sharing of community. Jesus dies to essentially restore us back together as the family of God so that we can share life together. Don't you see that's what happens at the cross? And day by day, attending the temple together. Now, let me ask a a theological question here. What were they doing in the temple? Well, the temple was for sacrifices, right? Now, was the New Testament church partaking in the sacrifices? Okay, think deeply now. Does the New Testament church need the death of rams, goats, and bulls to cover their sins? Okay, now now you're thinking, no, they don't. So what was the New Testament church doing in the temple? Well, if you read Acts, you see that they, they would often stand in the temple and proclaim Christ. So the New Testament church is in the temple hearing the preached word and evangelizing the other people of the Jewish nation. They're evangelizing, they're witnessing, they're, they're essentially, they, they now have this message of hope. This long, the, the nation has been longing for the coming of the Messiah, have they not? For hundreds and hundreds of years, the, the Messiah has been foretold of. He's going to come. He's going to save us. He's going to do all this stuff. And so now that nation had this message of hope. And so when they go into the temple, they're bringing this message of hope to the nation. The Messiah has come. He has fulfilled all the prophecies. He has, he has been the end and the ultimate sacrifice. That's what they're doing together in the temple. They're bringing this message of hope. So not only are they seeking to devote themselves to the apostles' teaching, trying to, to really know the Bible, to know God's word, not only are they sharing life with each other in the temple, what they're doing is bringing this message of hope to a nation that needs hope. That's what they're doing. They're, they're bringing hope to, to that nation. So look at verse 47, praising God and having favor with all the people. And listen to this, and the Lord added to their number day by day, those who were being saved. So it's not that they were, we're we're all about Bible study and being together, right? It's it's just us here, us four no more, close the door. That that's not, that's not where they were. It, It was this sense of a deep love for God's word, a deep love for one another. And the result of that is that it pushed them out to bring this message of hope to other people. Why? Because they wanted other people inside their community of love. They were building this community of love in response to what Jesus had done. And so because of what they were experiencing, it pushed them outward to bring that message of hope to other people. So while this is a a costly message, look at verse 46 again. It does cost us something. They were selling their possessions, giving up the American dream for the dream of the kingdom. Look at this. Breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. It's as if this great sacrifice they were making for one another actually brought them joy. Think about that. Think, think about how upside down that is to what our culture teaches us. 
The, the culture says, make your life about you. That's how to have a glad and generous heart. That, that's how to be happy. That's how to find joy. Make your life about you. They, they actually flipped it upside down and said, no, we're going to make our lives about other people, and that is where we will find joy. The result of that was the outside world who was making their entire lives about themselves were looking at these selfless people who were just loving each other and said, what is with these crazy people? Why are they selling their possessions? Why do they act this way? Why did they do these things? And it was so attractive to them that that was the method in which the Lord began to draw people in. I, I want you to know that the outside world looks at us and says, you people are insane. <laughs> you people are crazy. You just, you, you give your life away to each other. You love one another. You serve one another. You spend time in each other's homes. You, you, you sell your possessions in order to meet other people's needs. What is with you? And, and then that's where the message of hope comes in. We do this in response to what has been done for us through the cross of, of Jesus Christ. So, where are we going in 2019? What is the vision for the future? Well, our vision is to attempt to embody this text. So, here's what you need to know about Acts, okay? Acts is a unique time in church history, okay? So, so I need to make a disclaimer here because if we say... We want to be a New Testament church, and we're going to, we're going to do, like, do church like they did in Acts. Okay, um, you guys read Acts chapter 5? The Holy Spirit shows up and kills a guy. Okay, so, so let's not, okay, let's, let's slow our roll just a little bit and, and really think about what we're talking about. This was a unique time in church history where there was a massive outpouring of the Holy Spirit, um, and so... So what that means is, yes, we, want, we can't do the fullness of this, okay, because it was a unique time in church history, but it's still, listen, this is what's important, it still should stand as our model, yeah. right? So we look at this text, and, and uh, so 42 through 47, how can we really say this? How can we encapsulate this in such a way that, that we can know it and live it and breathe it and... Well, here's, here's the vision for 2019. If you're taking notes, write this down. I'm sure you've actually never heard this before, so here it is. Know the Bible, share life with others, and bring hope to Fayetteville and the world. That's it. That's what we're doing. Now, you, uh, excuse me, Pastor Kirk, I'm calling you. Yes. Isn't that what we did in 2018? Absolutely. <laughs> what about in 17? Yep, that was, our, that was our goal then. In 16, absolutely. So listen, I, I want you to know, we have a lot of, of new and really exciting projects that are coming up in 2019. As a matter of fact, I'm going to be sharing a lot of that with um, our leadership coming up really soon, just some, some ideas and some projects that that I want our church to, fo to focus on. And, and so we do have a lot of new and exciting things that, that are coming up, but we will only do projects or accept new avenues of, of ministry if it serves us to know the Bible, share life, and bring hope. So clearly we are uh, not trying to reinvent the wheel here. Um, we're not trying to 
We're not trying to reimagine church. I understand that we're a group of young people, and I'm a young pastor, uh, and so there might be some type of um, enticement to like, man, we're, gonna, we're just going to reimagine what church is and, and kind of recreate this, this new thing. No, no. I've seen that go really, really bad for a lot of churches. What we want to do is just do this. We want to just do what they were doing. They, they were seeking to know the Bible, the apostles' teaching. They were, they were sharing their life with other people, selling their possessions and meeting one another's needs, and they were bringing this message of hope to the world. So what I want to do now um, is really just kind of get into the minutia of what we're talking about when we say know the Bible, share life, and bring hope. Those are these three ideas, okay? These, these three, what do we mean when we say know the Bible, Share life and bring hope. Well, when we say know the Bible, um, we're not talking about just getting Bible facts into our brains. That's not what we're, we're not, uh, I don't want to just equip you to win at Bible Jeopardy, okay? We, we, we've selected this word know for a very specific reason. The reason is the way the Bible uses the word know. The Bible uses the word to know um, as, as relationship to an intimate knowledge. Um, so the Bible would say something like this. Adam knew his wife Eve. W- what that means is it's not as if he only had uh, some, some type of uh, cognitive recognition that his wife existed. No, it, it meant that they had intimate relationship. And so what we're saying is we want to know the Bible, not because, this is so key, not because we worship the Bible, but because the Bible tells us about Jesus. Amen? So uh, there, there was Jesus meeting with his disciples after he had resurrected from the dead. And what he does is Jesus leads his disciples on this Bible study. He takes them through the entire Bible. And what it says was, showing them or explaining to them how all the text pointed to him. And so we want to know the Bible, not because we worship the Bible. We want to know the Bible in an intimate way because the Bible tells us about who Jesus is. And we love Jesus. We want to worship Jesus. This is a church that's all about Jesus. Amen? So we want to know the Bible. Not only that, we want to share life, meaning we want to build deep, relationships with one another. We want to stand on the foundation of transparency. Look, the South does not need another church where people are fake. Doesn't need that. What we need to build is a community. Listen, and and everybody in this room needs to get in on this. We need to build a community of transparency where people are honest about who they are and where they are. That is what the South needs. That is what the world needs, I believe, is a community of people who are not willing to put on a happy Sunday face and come here Sunday by Sunday just telling everybody that everything's okay when really their marriage is blowing up, their life's blowing up, their finances are blowing up, and everything's terrible. We we need to create a community of honesty where we're talking with one another about what's actually going on in our life, and we're willing to have the courage to step in, to lean in, and take responsibility and help one another. That is what I want to be a part of. I don't want to be a part of another fake church on Sunday morning. Amen? I, I, I can't, can't do it, don't want to do it. So when we say sharing life, we mean building deep and intimate relationships with 
with one another. When we say hope, okay, this third piece, when we say hope, we, what, is, what, is, what does hope mean? Well, it, the hope is a desire for a particular outcome, is it not? That, that's what hope is. It's a, it's a desire for a particular outcome. And, and, the, and the truth is, people want to know that everything's going to be okay. Isn't that what you want to know? Don't you, don't you just want to know that everything's going to be okay? Do you remember being a child and just having that deep desire for your mom or your dad just to say, hey, it's, it's going to be okay? That, that's the deep desire. That's the hope that is within us all. We, we want to know that things are going to be okay. And, and the truth is many people exhaust a lifetime and never find hope. They don't ever find it. They, they look for it everywhere. We look for hope in our career. We look for hope in bigger houses. We look for hope in a new car. We look for hope in pleasure. We look for hope in comfort. We, we look for hope. Look, this is what is so crazy. We look for hope in a larger platform on social media. That's insane, but people do it. We look for hope in family. We look for hope in leaving a legacy. And the problem is those things are poor foundations and simply cannot support the weight of what we are really after. And the sad result is that the human condition is left in a place of despair or worst of all, ignorant to God's plan for optimal human flourishing. And our fast-paced world has robbed many people of this idea of hope, that there can actually be hope. So what is, what is the hope? What is... What is this message that we're trying to bring to the world, right? If, if we want to know the Bible, share life with others and bring hope, what, what, is it that we, what is it that we have to give to those people out there, to the world, to the people seeking hope? Well, it's the hope of the gospel, isn't it? It's the hope of the gospel. That's this gospel message. That is what we're bringing to the world, this the, the people who, who have a soul that's longing for hope. I, I want to know that it's going to be okay. Well, the truth is, without Jesus, it's not going to be okay. But that's the good news of the cross, that what his work does is it unites us, it reunites us back to God, back to one another. This is this message of hope, that Jesus Christ dies in our place for our sins so that we might be reconnected with God and reconnected to one another in a community. That's the message of hope. That, that is this deep longing that humanity has. We are supply, we're saying, look, this is what it is that you're searching for, hope in the gospel. That's it. So, again, we want to know the Bible, share life with others, and bring hope to Fayetteville and the world. Now, Another thought about this vision statement for 2019, we have hoped that we've created it in such a way that it is memorable, that it's understandable and transferable, okay? We want this vision for us to be memorable, transferable, and understandable. So we could have, this is actually, um, this is a pretty good vision statement, I think, and we could have used this instead of the one that we have. We could have said, our vision is to be devoted to a Christ-centered hermeneutic through inductive and expository Bible teaching and study while experiencing a deep manifestation of ecclesiastical fellowship and evangelism, all for the glorification of the Trinitarian Godhead. Amen. <laughs> that, I mean, all of that's true. 
But um, first off, nobody can understand that. Uh, and two, nobody's going to remember it. So, so the hope with what we're putting together here is that it is memorable. You can remember this. You can, you can get this down um, into your soul and into your brain. That Look, what is Gospel Community Church about? We're about knowing the Bible, sharing life, bringing hope. Know the Bible, share life, bring hope. That it's, it's memorable. Okay? Not only that, it's understandable. You, you know what it means when we say know the Bible, share life, bring hope. It's, we, we can understand it. Right? It's it's not it's not so complex that um, the the children back in gospel kids can't understand. The the kids back there need to know where we're headed as a church. We want to be able to look into the faces of the children and gospel kids and say we are about knowing the Bible, sharing life, and bringing hope. And we can break that down um, in such a way that they can understand it. Now beyond that, listen. This is this is what I love about this so much. Beyond that, can can I do a ten part sermon series on what it means to know the Bible? Absolutely. Can I do a, a ten part sermon series on what it truly means to share life as a Christian community? Yes. Can I? We just did a, a four week sermon series. We should have made it six. A four week sermon series called Everyday Missionary, which was all about bringing hope. Uh, so so it's it's simple and it can be expanded upon, right? So it needs to be memorable, it needs to be understandable, and it needs to be transferable. What do I mean transferable? Well, let's say you bump into uh, an, an old friend from high school or college at the gas station and you begin to invite them to church. Or let's say you're there with a coworker and you're sharing the gospel with them and you know that you need to get them plugged into the body of Christ. And so what you say is, hey man, I would love for you to come and visit my church. And they say, well, what's, what's your church about? What do, you, what do you guys do? How do you, so, so how do you fill in the blank there? Be, I mean, because we do a lot of things, right? I mean, you could, you could go on a 10-minute rant about community groups, could you not? Amen. Yeah. <laughs> Says the guy who leads our community groups. Um, you, could, you could tell them, uh, what do you guys do there? Oh, man, you've got to hear our band. I mean, it's, they are, so, so you could go down a lot of pathways when somebody says, tell me about your church, what do you do? Well, what, what our hope is, is that we're getting this vision statement, our picture of the future, where we're headed. Our hope is that you'll get this down in your soul. What's your church about? Oh, that's easy. What, what, we just we want to know the Bible. We want to share life and bring hope. And even someone who is far away from God, the, the I mean, most rank pagan there is, right? They can, they can understand, oh, that makes sense. It, it's transferable to somebody who has no idea about uh, Christian language. They don't speak Christianese. They have no idea, you know, uh, about uh, religious terms or philosophies or ideas. You can tell them this is who we are. This is a, the type of people that we want to be. We want to be a type of people that know the Bible. That make oh, oh okay cool. You guys study the Bible. I get that. We want to share life. Okay, you guys spend time together. We want to bring hope. Okay, well they've got this message that they they want to give to me. I understand that. So it, so the aim of it is to be memorable, understandable, and transferable. So we want to know the Bible, share life, and bring hope to Fayetteville and the world. Okay? Now, how are we going to do that? <laughs> that's, that's like way up here in the idea world, right? That's way up here. We want to know the Bible. We want to share life. We want to bring hope. This is, this is 30,000 foot up here in the ideal world, at some point we have to land the plane and get incredibly practical. Because if we say this is what it is that we want to do, 
we, we want to, th these are the three things. We're going to go after this thing. <clears throat> How do we make it measurable? Okay, so um, for, for you uh, like really type A people, you're like, okay, it, it needs to be practical. There needs to be spreadsheets. And, you know, there's other people in the room that are like, oh, man, I just, I want to do the share life part, you know? Um, so... <laughs> But, but there's other people over here that are like, okay, how, you know, we need nuts and bolts. We need, you need to explain this to me because I need to go home and make a flow chart and, you know, get out my Excel spreadsheet so we can graph this out. Because look, here's the thing. We can, we can say that this is what we want to do, but if we get five years down the road, how do we know that we've done that? Does that make sense? How do you, and, and again, these are, this, these are 30,000 foot ideas, and so how can you actually measure knowing the Bible, especially for a group of people? If, if we have, you know, we look at our membership and we say, okay, have we been a people that's been about knowing the Bible? Have, have we increased in our Bible knowledge? Have we increased in our, in our knowing Christ and, and treasuring him? Have, have, we, have we done that? Or, or even sharing life? I mean, how do, you, how do we measure these things? I mean, what, what do we do? Like for knowing the Bible, do we just like, you know, come up with a Bible quiz and have the church take it? I mean, try to improve our score um, for sharing life. Do we... Uh, you know, create a form, and every time you have dinner at somebody's house, you fill out the form and send it into the church office. I mean, how do we, how are we going to measure this thing? Well, here is, here's our idea, okay, because all those are terrible ideas. <clears throat> if you're taking notes, we envision the members of Gospel Community Church building their lives on the Bible's blueprint. Okay, so what, what we have here in Acts 2, 42 through 47 is essentially a blueprint, is it not? It's, it's a map or a model. So we believe if, if the people in Gospel Community Church will do this, okay, Acts 2, 42 through 47, then we'll be doing that. Make sense? If we can walk in these rhythms, if we can follow this map that's laid out here, then we believe the natural byproduct of doing this will be, will be knowing the Bible, if we do that. If we do that, we'll be sharing life. If we do that, we'll be bringing hope. Practically speaking, what do I mean? Well, um, there's essentially four ways that we're kind of drawing this out of the text and making it as practical uh, and clear as we can, okay? So we're, we're taking this and contextualizing it um, to, our, to our church body. So what do I mean? Well, first, um, Sunday morning gatherings. What did it say? They were, they were gathering together in the temple. They, they were getting together in large corporate gatherings, so for us, what does that mean? Well, it means exactly what we're doing right now. What are we doing here? Well, I just exposited um, Acts 2, 42 through 47, and we seek to year by year, day by day, you know, Sunday by Sunday, go straight through books of the Bible. Do we not? We've gone through John and Acts and Mark and 1 Samuel and uh, 1 Timothy and Ruth and Jonah, and I could go on. We, we go through books of the Bible, so we gather here together corporately to go through books of the Bible, which means we are knowing the Bible, okay? So Sunday morning gatherings, we, we want 
every member of Gospel Community Church to be faithful in attending our Sunday morning gatherings. Two, community groups. Community groups. This is the sharing life portion. Again, just look at verse 42. It explodes right out of the text. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship. It's, I mean, it's right there before you even get any further in the text. They were knowing the Bible and they were sharing life together. And so how we organize that as a church body is we meet in homes throughout the week, okay? We gather together. Again, Charles Bird, he's over our community groups. He, he trains community group leaders. He's over that. We get you plugged into a night uh, that, that works for you, that works for your schedule. You get in that living room with those people. You begin to share a meal with them, um, spend time with them, know them. They know you. It's a place where you can, again, continue to expand your knowledge of the Bible, but you're sharing life with one another, meeting one another's needs. That That's a... So if somebody needs in, in the church is in need, let, let's say they can't pay their light bill, you know, the first thing that always happens is their community group will rally around them and try to meet that need. If the financial need is too great, then it gets kicked up the chain to the church, and then we continue to still meet that need. But, but needs are met, and life is done together there in those community groups, okay? Thirdly, Sharing your faith and inviting people to church. Sharing your faith and inviting people to church. Okay? The idea is to bring hope. If, if we're not sharing the gospel message, how can we bring hope? The, the Apostle Paul says, how were they to hear unless someone preaches? So this, this is a part of what all of us need to be involved in. We just did a sermon series called Everyday Missionaries because we want you to know that we believe every Christian everywhere is a missionary. You should be on mission and bringing this message of hope to people who need hope, sharing the message of Jesus, his death, his burial, his resurrection, sharing this idea of substitutionary atonement, which we talked about uh, in that sermon series. So you need to be sharing your faith and inviting people into this community, inviting people here to, to hear the message preach, inviting people into your community group, inviting people into this context where we are being made into disciples. Fourthly, this one's different and new, so just kind of hang with me. So we believe that if we will attend Sunday morning gatherings, get plugged into a community group, be sharing our faith and inviting people to church, and fourthly, attending our one-day conferences. You're like, what is that? Now, if you've been around a while and you've heard us talk about this, we, what we were doing is we were doing Sunday night Bible studies, okay? Now, here's what was happening with Sunday night Bible studies. Uh, a lot of people were attending them, for the first couple of weeks, and then they were not attending them the last couple of weeks, okay? So um, what we would do is we would do uh, like a six-week study, and we would do them on, on Sunday nights, okay? So um, the ladies actually did better than the men. Good job, ladies. Men, shame on you. Uh, so the dudes would show up, and there would be, you know, certain amount, and then like week two, there would be a little less. Week three, there would be less... Week four, five is like, there's, you know, three of us. All right. Uh, and then, so but let me say this. I'm, I'm not, I'm, th this is not like Pastor Kirk saying, shame on you because you don't come to Sunday night studies. Please don't hear me say that at all. I, because 
Is it because Gospel Community Church isn't dedicated or devoted? So, again, as, as your pastor, I'm asking these questions. I'm, I'm seeing a declining, um, declining attendance at Sunday night studies. And I ask myself, is it because the content is poor? Well, no, I don't think so. Um, is it because our people lack dedication? I'm answering no, because I see how much you guys love one another. I see how much you serve one another. I see how much you give. I so I'm saying no to that. I think it's because all of us have way too many kids and too many responsibilities. <laughs> so I, 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 think, I think it's capacity, not dedication. Make sense? I'm not saying that Gospel Community Church lacks dedication. I'm saying uh, we sometimes lack capacity because we're young families with kids that have a lot of, a lot of working hours, a lot of jobs and responsibilities. So, so what we did as a team, we sat down with our leadership team and we said, we've got to fix the, the Sunday night study thing. This is, it's not working, okay? And I want to be the first one to kill stuff that doesn't work. Amen, I don't, I'm not, I'm not about that. I'm not like dragging a dead horse here. If it's not working, let's stop doing it. So what we're gonna do is do one day conferences. We'll do them uh, basically like we'll, we'll pick a Saturday, one Saturday each quarter um, and the band will play. Uh, we'll have a lineup of speakers uh, that will come in and do basically a one day intensive. We'll take that six week study and pack it into one day, do a one day intensive on particular topics. Now. Those topics being parenting, again, because we all got crazy kids and we need help. Um, well, we'll also do um, uh, marriage. So parenting, marriage, men's study, women's study. Okay, so those, those will be the four-day uh, intensive, the conference days, because sometimes we'll be preaching through books of the Bible. Okay, so we preach through 1 Samuel, and I never got to teach on parenting. Okay, why? Because it wasn't in the text. But there are these needs that we have as, as a society, as a church body, um, that need to be spoken into. We all need help parenting, amen? Well, we all need help in our marriage. We need to talk about uh, biblical masculinity and, and biblical femininity as well. And so those will be the one-day conferences. And we believe that um, that will, again, lead to us knowing the Bible uh, and, in addition, sharing our life with one another. So um, jot this down. Here's our goal. Our desire for the next several years is to see, the next five years, is to see 75% of our members consistently building their lives on the Bible's blueprint. How are we going to make this measurable? Well, those things we can measure. Uh, we can measure whether or not you're at your community group. We can measure whether or not you're here on a Sunday morning. Uh, we can measure uh, essentially by the growth of our membership whether or not you're sharing your faith and inviting people to church. Um, we can measure uh, the, the conference days. All that is measurable. And so as a church, our goal is to see 75% of our members. Now, we would love to see 100%, <clears throat> but we're realistic. <laughs> so we are setting, and that's still a very high goal. It's, it's still a very large number um, for us to reach and to attain. But, but that's our goal. That's what we want to see in 2019 uh, and further on into the future. Now, with this vision statement, I want you to know something about it, okay? To know the Bible, to share life, and to bring hope. I want to tell you this, and I want you to hear me um, from my heart. I am giving my life to this vision statement, 
I'm giving my life to it. I want to raise my children to know it, to believe it, and to follow it. I spend my waking hours thinking about this, giving my life to it, giving my heart to it, and pouring myself out for it. And I'm inviting you to do the same thing. As your pastor, I'm calling you to to give your life to this. Give your life to knowing the Bible and to sharing life with other people and bringing hope to the Fayetteville and the world. I I think there's, there's a long list of things that you can give your life to. They're enticing. They might even be pretty on the surface. But they don't hold a candle to this. I want to see more marriages saved at Gospel Community Church. I I want to see generations impacted and changed. I want to see more men and women who are struggling with addictions walk in freedom because of what God is doing through Gospel Community Church. Do you want to see that? I want to see more broken people find healing and help. I, I I want to see people who are racked with anxiety and depression, find freedom in Christ through what God's doing here at this church. And I believe if we will dedicate ourselves to knowing the Bible, sharing life, and bringing hope, that that will be a reality, and I'm willing to put my life on the line for it. And as your pastor, I'm calling you to do the same thing. Let us together, as Gospel Community Church, let us know the Bible, share life, and bring hope to Fayetteville, in the world in 2019. Let's pray. Thanks for listening. Feel free to share the contents of this podcast, but please do not alter it in any way without permission. Please like, follow, and subscribe to us on Facebook or iTunes. Visit gospelcc.com for more content like this. At Gospel Community Church, our mission is to know the Bible, share life with others, and bring hope to our city and the world. Thanks again and have a blessed day.